welcome to TAP, the awesome podcast. My name is Claire Turner and I'm an EFT practitioner, manifestation and mindset coach, the founder of Claire Turner EFT, the creator of Eight Weeks to Weight Loss and the From Doubt to Clout courses. Now, I am obsessed with helping women to overcome feelings of self-doubt and to grow into the awesome and empowered goddesses that they truly are. Now, if you are looking to tap into your divine right to success and abundance, then you have come to the right place, my friend. My goal within this podcast is to help you see your infinite potential, to tap into your personal power and be, do and have whatever you dream of. Thank you so much for pressing play. We're going to have so much fun. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to another interview. Today, my wonderful guest is the gorgeous Heather Darwell-Smith. Now, Heather left behind a career in the marketing and design industry to retrain as an accredited mindfulness-based psychotherapist specializing in sleep, one of my favorite subjects. Alongside her work at the London Sleep Center, she maintains a small private practice providing short and long-term psychotherapy with clients across the globe. Now, an important part of her work addresses the cyclical question, what comes first, poor sleep or poor mental health? As well as an MA in mindfulness-based psychotherapy from Middlesex University, she's completed further training, including cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and is currently working towards a PG dip in sleep medicine at the University of Oxford. So I'm feeling feeling very stupid at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I really don't. I'm really thrilled. She's very kindly agreed to have a chat with me now to share more about her journey. So Heather, thank you so much for joining me. Just tell us a little bit more about you. How did you get to be where you are now and, you know, specialising in sleep? Gosh, um, well, originally I was an art director. I worked in advertising in um, London and Sydney and sleep really wasn't on the agenda in those days, but stress certainly was. Um, And I had, I was kind of, I, I was trying to get pregnant and I went off to do a two week retreat um, in Portugal where um, I was so stressed and I just needed some time out. And while I was there, um, it really struck me watching what was going on at the retreat and things as to how amazing it is to be able to take time out, but also the importance of being supported to do that. Mm. Um, And I suppose you could say I had a bit of a life changing moment and decided um, there and then that I was going to retrain as a psychotherapist. Um, it took me a number of years to get there because I did get pregnant and continued with my work, but eventually I did retrain and, um, originally trained as to work primarily in trauma. Um, but what became really clear to me was that people don't sleep. Um, and I started to be really curious as to, well, hold on a minute, if we're, if we're working together in therapy, um, but you can't sleep, should that be something that is part of this conversation? Um, so really it went from there. And um, yes, yeah, so today now it is my speciality. Um, it does, I'm very curious to know what comes first. Is it trauma or poor sleep or how it manifests? 
which is partly why I decided to do a really, really deep dive into studying sleep medicine to really get into the nitty gritty of genetics and the, everything about it, which is um, possibly a deeper dive than I was expecting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as a non-medic, it's a very curious experience, but it is fascinating. And what's very clear is that the jury is still out. Sleep is really complex um, mm. and there's still so much that we don't know. So it's a very young field. So I feel very, very fortunate to have chosen this speciality and be going forward with it. That's awesome. Because it's, it's just like, we just kind of take it for granted when we can do mm. it, aren't we? And we don't, we don't really think about it until we can't, I guess. And that's mm. where the issues come in. So what actually, what actually happens during sleep? And why is it so important? It's really interesting because I almost see it as... Um, all the energy that we put into being awake we get out of the way if you like and um, the body gets on with taking all that energy to really do a lot of repair processes because brain activity is quite different on the whole from when we're awake there are some periods of sleep where it's similar so um, which is why sometimes we can feel quite awake during sleep um, but the brain and body do really important things like healing, um, growing, learning and organising. Um, sleep regulates mood. Um, it gives the brain's emotional centre the chance to rest so that if we've had enough, um, we feel positive and upbeat, upbeat when we wake up. Um, it's the period of learning and development because the brain's shuttling information across different memory stores. So taking it from short term memory to long term memory and moving it around if you like um one of the things i think is really interesting about um what happens in the brain um during sleep is <clears throat> in 2012 they discovered a, that the, the brain has a particular system called the glymphatic system and if you think about it it's like the brain's own washing machine and when we go to sleep particularly deep sleep the, which we get more of at the beginning of the night the um the brain pump takes spinal fluid up into the brain, literally pulses it through the brain to wash out um, toxins and um, proteins such as beta amyloid um, to really let flush it out. Um, so things like the endocrine system is very active. So hormones flood the body in the first half of sleep, growth hormones that flooding the body. Um, the, we have a circadian rhythm, which is controlled hormonally. Um, there's a huge amount of activity. Stress levels change when we're asleep. Um, the nervous system hopefully gets a chance to relax. Um, the immune system kicks in with um, to, to fight inflammation because it releases cytokines during sleep, um, which is a very specific process. So again, I mean, I could I could go on and on and on. It's like a cascade of activity that happens when we get out of the way. The body goes right, okay. They're gone. Right, we get on with it. That's fascinating. I had no idea that much actually happened as I slept. Did you just, you just don't, well, I don't think about it. I guess it's um, something that a lot of people just take for granted almost. Um, and the fact that there is all this repair work going on when you step, when, when, like you say, you step out of the way and your body, you allow your body just to get on with it. Uh, it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Mm. Um, one thing that's always, 
I've wondered about and I've, I've had I've experienced this myself is um, when you say to yourself well, I'm going to get a good night's sleep and you go to bed early and you sleep for a long time and I don't know about anyone else but I can wake up feeling worse <laughs> than if I just have you know the usual six hours or whatever mm. um, is that something that a lot of people get is that something you've experienced is it just me? <laughs> yeah, no. I, what what can happen? Um, it's it's a really yeah, it's a really common one. That what can happen is that you um, get into a really deep phase of sleep. So um, sleep consists of about five cycles of um, varying degrees of sleep of activity. And as we come through those cycles, if we if we wake from very deep sleep, um, we'll feel rotten absolutely rotten um and it's it's very difficult to control um the sleep cycles it's not something that's possible it's the same reason why sometimes someone will have a nap and they'll wake up feeling absolutely gross because yes. you wake up <laughs> out of deep sleep and it's it's horrible it's it's um it's called sleep inertia it's a grogginess and it can feel like a real hangover if you like but you're just like mm, i didn't have anything that causes a hangover but I feel <laughs> what's going on <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad you've, you've kind of explained it a little bit now because you do think, well, what is it? People say, oh, you should have little naps through the day and things like that. But when you when you end up feeling worse than when you started, you're like, oh. mm, mm. With a nap, it's really important um, that you, I so if you have no problems with sleep, this is, yeah. um, that you only sort of nap for 20 to half, 20 minutes, half an hour um, okay. between 1 and 4 p.m. because that gives you the refreshment and hopefully you don't drop into deep sleep because if you drop into deep sleep that will negate the whole thing yeah. however if you really do need more than that then I would say, I say to someone set your alarm for two hours to allow you the time to fall asleep and go through a sleep cycle to come out mm -hmm. um so it, it's like either tiny or a decent amount but if you're if you're napping for a couple of hours the likelihood is that you're not going to be sleeping more than five hours at night. Yeah. Um, so it's something that can be useful for um, when we're older, where we our sleep needs um, our sleep changes for many reasons. Mm. Um, but yeah, ideally, be very careful about the length of time for a nap because you just don't want to feel awful. Yeah. Okay. Top top tips, Nobby. Thank you. Um, so, so, I mean, I said before, sleep something a lot of us take for granted until we can't do it. Um, and for those people who suffer from things like insomnia, what, what are some of the things that can cause insomnia and how do your, how does your process help people get through that? Well, when we talk about insomnia, um, there's a model called um, the three P's. Um, it's a, the Spielman model of three P's. And the three P's are things that predispose us, that there may be reasons we have um, for insomnia, the, then there are the precipitating, so the triggers, mm. and then we have the things that are um, perpetuating that what keeps it going. So the things that have us that are we're predisposed for insomnia is if there's um, stress, or for example, a change in job, or grief, or a global pandemic, you know that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's caused that's caused a certain yeah. amount of insomnia. It has to be said. Yeah. Um, but then there's things like um, gender. Women are more prone to insomnia than men. Um, we believe it's because of multiple reasons. Um, 
hormonally um, lifestyle because often women are carers so they're often juggling the needs of small children or increasingly now um, women are right in the middle and they have small children and elderly parents to deal with plus they're likely to have a full-on job um, so there's multi there's a genetic aspect that um, for insomnia there's also a learnt aspect so if you grow up in a family where a family member says I don't sleep well we don't know for, for sure, but is that learnt behaviour? Um, so it's my, my mother always used to joke that um, the day my dad said that he didn't like onions, I decided I didn't like onions. And to this day, I don't like onions. So did I learn that? I don't know. Oh, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. You, you just mentioned, Heather, the, the, lock, uh, the, the pandemic and something like the lockdown. How, does, how have you seen that affecting people's sleep? It's been it's been tricky. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a very, very tough year. The um, sleep clinic, the London Sleep Centre where I work, the owner says uh, he's had the clinic for 18 years and he's never seen the volume of patients that we've had over this past year. Um, and I think it, it, the way we've seen it, it's sort of been this ebb and flow of change in it. Initially, there was a lot of anxiety. A lot of people were having really vivid dreams. Um, but now as we're coming out, um, we are seeing um, a rise in depression. Um, depression rates have doubled since the pandemic began. Mm. Um, and even as things like vaccinations are becoming more accessible and restrictions are easing, we are seeing collective impact on mental health and with that comes a problem with sleep. Mm. Um, but it's not all bad. For some people, it's been useful because they haven't been commuting. So they've been able to actually get more sleep and they've been able to sleep to a much more natural rhythm. Um, so I've got some people who are like, yeah, happy days. This is great. Um, they're able to get, because that, so say you're, commuting for an hour and a half either end of the day suddenly you're not under that pressure to do that mm. um but then the flip side of that is that people have been locked in locked down so they're not getting enough light they're not moving enough light is essential to sleep it's the key um, movement they're not moving um and we are we are living if you like in this sort of soup of uncertainty this, this mm. general sort of buzz of what's going on yeah humans aren't very good at that no i don't know if you see me i certainly my clients have seen uh, at first it was a uh, anxiety as you already mentioned about the actual what was going on now it's an anxiety about getting back into the real world mm. um and everything that will entail um mm. which i guess is is something you're, i guess i guess you're seeing something similar with that as well. very much yeah very much it's yeah. it's um it's the, the navigating what's expected of me and it's the um, some people are reporting sort of real pressure as to I need to be getting back to normal or my employer wants me to just bring back into action. It's like it's not going to be straightforward. It's going to be different paths for everyone yeah. to find our way to what is I think it's the new normal. It's not a case of going back. It's like, well, where are we going to? Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned something um, I thought it was but I liked being so key for sleep. Now, obviously, you've got the very obvious, you know, you sleep when it's dark. Is it, is it, is it really just that simple with regards to light or is there something more with regards to light and sleep? Well, um, sleep works with two processes. So we have an internal clock, a series of internal clocks um, called our circadian rhythm. 
and we have another process called um, sleep pressure and these two things work together and basically um, the circadian rhythm responds to the solar day so light dark cycle and we need light in the morning to be able to go to sleep at night if we haven't had enough light um, the brain gets a little bit confused um, so our sleep cycles tend to shift a bit so this has been one of the problems with lockdown that too many people have had not enough light um, and then too much blue light so in the morning we want blue light we want to be outside even if it's 10 minutes outside mm -hmm. to set up our clock for the day and then that triggers um, and I'm rattling through this very fast it triggers um, 12 to 14 hours later the production of melatonin which helps us get sleepy Oh. sleep pressure then also builds so in the morning we have no pressure and through the day the pressure builds up and what blocks that build up of pressure caffeine so people are having much more caffeine than they've ever had mm. um, and then again in the evening and late afternoon too much screen time which is blocking um, the sleep pressure and keeping us awake so we've got this sort of double hit, so too much caffeine, well, treble hit, too much caffeine, no movement, not enough light, and that sends the body's internal clocks a little bit haywire. Mm. Yeah, so for those of you who are on your mobile phones in bed, stop it. <laughs> yes, please do. My, one, my, one of my hard and fast rules are no light or um, no suddenly blue light between 11pm and 4am, because basically you are shining a torch straight into the brain and go wake up. Yeah. Okay, that's really interesting. Thank you. What uh, What are the, some of uh, the common myths about sleep and insomnia that you'd like to take just a moment to debunk? <laughs> um, I think the the big one is um, the idea of the eight of I need eight hours sleep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's the really big one, um, and because there's a huge range in humans as to what healthy sleep looks like, you may need more sleep than me. Um, some people need more, some people need less, some people are hardwired to sleep earlier, some people are hardwired to sleep later. There's just no one set of rules for healthy sleep. Mm. Um, the recommendation for the amount of sleep we need is between seven and nine hours. And actually the, what we tend to see, it's between seven and seven and a half hours um, mm. tends to be fine. Um, as long as it's quality, so you, that you've been asleep for most of that time, it's quite normal to have a little bit of waking up. Um, and if you've got good consolidated sleep, which means you're getting enough deep sleep um, and REM sleep, then you should feel fine. Um, and then people will say, oh, um, I feel exhausted during the day. Now, there is a question for me as to, is the exhaustion just because of sleep? Is it because you haven't got enough light, so you'll feel really drowsy? Mm. Is it to do with, well, what are you eating? Are you experiencing the up-down of a sugar crash? Mm. Um, but because sleep has become this sort of, I must look after my sleep, it's almost become demonized. I think we have to be really careful with that because that has created an anxiety in, I must get the perfect sleep, I must get eight hours sleep. And it's like, absolutely it's not about eight hours sleep it's about consistency 
um, and quality. That's the thing that counts. Mm, as with so many things in life, consistency and quality. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing like lying in bed going, I need to get to sleep. So I'm going to wake up in seven hours. And yeah. then, you, then you look at the clock and go, I'm going to wake up in six hours. <laughs> and yeah, well, two, two rules there. One, don't lie in bed and look at the clock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and two, if you're not sleepy, get out of bed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, the recommendation is if you've been laying there for 15, 20 minutes, you will immediately, if you're lying there and going, right, oh, I need to go to sleep now. I need to go to sleep now. You, so you imagine, you know, if someone tells you that you must do something, you can feel your hackles rise as if you say, yeah, I know that. And so, of course, that response immediately triggers the stress response yeah. and your body's going, well, I'm not going to sleep now. Forget it. So what I recommend with um, patients is that if you can't get to sleep um, and this is a pattern, mm. prepare something during the day. So you've got somewhere to get out of bed. So you go from your bed to your sofa where you've got a blanket, you've got a low light and a glass of water, and maybe you've got a book or you've got um, some knitting and a huge thing for people during lockdown has been doing Lego, something to do with the hands, something to distract yourself. Mm. so that you calm down and you're able to let go a little bit get feel sleepy again to go back to bed because if you lay in bed telling yourself it's like why don't I just whack my head over the myself over the head with the pillow and just beat myself up and the anxiety starts to spin yeah that's and then that becomes a really difficult place to be yeah, that's a really good point, actually. I do not react well to being told what to do. Well, we don't. I mean, <laughs> and that's what we, we, I think for most of us, are that inner voice is far harsher than anyone. You would never speak to someone else the way, often many people never speak to someone else the way you speak to yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Mm. Uh, Heather, I know you've uh, you've got a book coming out tomorrow at time of recording. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us? I mean, firstly, congratulations! No small feat, awesome stuff. Can you, can you share <laughs> just a, a bit more about that? Tell us a bit about what's going on inside the book. So, I will find a fun page. So, the thing the thing that's been amazing about this process. Um, that's what's fun. So. That just gives you an idea. So it's a very visual book. Um, so the thing that's been incredible, um, in my, as I said earlier, in my previous life, I was an art director. And I, in those days, I was like, wow, we were all, Dawning Kindersley, they're the very pinnacle, they, they do their job the best. So today, to be published by Dawning and Kindersley um, as a psychotherapist is incredible because what their speciality is, is a really highly visual approach to the subject. Yeah. Um, so when this opportunity came up to take, it's around 200 questions that I'm regularly asked in my practice um, and to come up with the answers and to do it with a um, very visual approach, a very simplistic evidence-based approach to it. But for me, that was like, Christmas and I <laughs> seriously this is amazing um so it's been it is all about the answers to those questions so it's things like um will listening to true crime podcasts help me to sleep um what side of the bed should I sleep on I'm a new mum will that will my sleep ever be the same again um so 
some of the questions are what you might expect. Some of them are absolutely random. So um, will the will the position of my bed be affected by the Earth's magnetic field? Um, so um, will an orgasm help me to sleep? So I've, ha I've had all these questions to research and to find the evidence on. So it's been a fantastic process to obviously I didn't know all the answers at the beginning, but to be able to have to go down that road uh, has been brilliant. Oh, fantastic. That sounds really good. Um, and I'm assuming, as there's something in the book with regards to sort of the best things people can do with regards to getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, it's full of um, evidence-based tips as to what to do. Um, and it's very much, I've tried to take the approach of um, understanding the questions that people would ask and giving them the pros and cons so that you can make the decision um this is what the evidence is and this is what the, what my thinking is um so that you know what to do so hopefully i've covered pretty much everything although since since the book since we published um i've got i've now if we get to do a reprint i've now got five more questions to, <laughs> add to it <laughs> because there's, there's always um so, so someone said to me the other day do binaural beats help with sleep i'm like I know something about those. Oh yes, I do know about those. Actually, yes, they could. So, but I haven't got it in the book at the moment. But um, yeah, it's it is very much about trying to find ways to help you. And it's also, I think, the primary message is to take the fear out. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about to stop trying to chase sleep because the harder we try, the harder it gets. Yeah. So I really wanted to take a, a really careful um look at the fears that people have around sleep mm, that's fabulous where can where can people go to get your book all major booksellers <laughs> <laughs> amazon <laughs> um yeah, yeah it's on um on all the um waterstones the rich smiths i'm not sure which stores are going to have it so to be i'll share this with you tomorrow i'm going to be in london and i am going to be going to look in bookshops to see where my book is suddenly <laughs> moving into the front <laughs> and, and i'm such a child but it's such a such an exciting thing because I, I don't know what the where where they're putting it um but i know that it's it's a pretty big title for dk the publishers so yes but yes you can get it online <laughs> so awesome just ignore stuff. the fact that i'll be lurking in books lurking in bookstores yeah <laughs> <laughs> fabulous <laughs> so heather love um it's, it's i love i love that this the, the 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 journey you've taken um to get you know from where you started into all this really interesting stuff about i had no idea sleep was actually this interesting um who's inspired you the most on your journey um that's a it's an interesting question that because if if i take it from the perspective of my um original training um uh, i would say that that is um a, a doctor called um, dr gabon mate he's a hungarian canadian doctor who has really explored um childhood development and trauma and impacts on physical and mental health um, he writes beautifully and he's got a really compassionate approach into the inquiry, into what suffering is. Um, so his work very much informs my thinking. Um, but from a sleep perspective, 
I think the um, the work of Professor Russell Foster, um, his work, he's done a beautiful book called The Rhythms of Life, which is all about circadian rhythms and how it affects every aspect of life. Um, so I, and he's got a really fantastic TED talk too. Um, I really enjoy his work. Um, and also there's a really lovely book on sleep by, um, now is he a professor or a doctor? So forgive me if I get this wrong. Um, Guy Leshner, um, who's a consultant at Guy's and St. Thomas's Hospital, um, a book called The Nocturnal Brain. Um, and it's a series of case studies into different sleep disorders um, and he too takes a very compassionate gentle approach to what is truly a horrible place to be if you've got problems mm. with sleep it's horrible yeah um so yeah. They're, they're, those are two people whose whose work I'm uh, three people I'm, I'm quite significantly influenced by yeah and actually that sort of segues quite neatly into my uh my my awful question I apologize to everyone for this but it gives me an idea of what to read next <laughs> if you had to recommend one book ever what would it be and why on sleep on any part of your journey oh gosh oh gosh. <laughs> um, how mean of me <laughs> oh that's um well because obviously on sleep it'd be your book obviously really. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think um, there's a really fantastic book that I really enjoy um, called um, Resilience by a um, guy in the States, Rick, ha Rick Hansen. Mm. Um, he is um, a mindfulness teacher, but also doctor neuroscientist. And he writes very beautifully about um, how to build resilience. Um, so that's, yeah that would be my definite go-to, anything by him. He mm. also has a really fantastic TED talk called Hardwiring Happiness, okay. um, where he's really focusing on building on the positives because we do need to over, humans have an, a real negativity bias, mm. um, which is important because we have to learn from the negative, but actually we actively have to work on the positive to really strengthen those pathways. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, so Heather, what's some feedback you've received on your work that you're able to share with us? Oh, um, now, traditionally, as a psychotherapist, I don't share mm. that sort of thing. Um, but I can share um, a couple of things. So a few years ago, I was running a um, stress awareness workshop. And um, I take a very visual approach to it. So it was, it was all about showing people how the nervous system works, how sleep works, and in particular, how um, stress, anxiety, and panic work. And a guy came up to me at the end of the, the session. He um, was in his late 50s, and he said, I wish someone had shown me how my body worked 20 years ago because mm -hmm. I was um, effectively pushed out of my dream job because I was really suffering from anxiety, and I thought it was me. And I learned that it wasn't me and you've just shown me what was happening and I didn't know. Oh, bless him. Mm. That's lovely. Well, not lovely, but lovely that he's finally had that information given to him. Yeah. And yeah. I, that's the thing I think I feel so passionately about. I do take a very sort of nuts and bolts approach to this is how stuff works. Mm. Because I really want to take fear out of the equation. I really want people to know 
for example, insomnia is actually a very normal thing to happen. Mm. Um, acute insomnia, the odd bad night here and there is perfectly normal. Um, but the key is to not worry about it because biologically we can sleep and the body left its own devices unless there's something else going on mm. will step in to take the recovery. Yeah. It's interesting you said that actually, because I've noticed with myself, just make it all about me for a moment, um, <laughs> is I tend to have periods of insomnia. So I'll be absolutely fine. And then every now and again, like every other month or something, I'll have like a little bout of insomnia and then it will just go away. Hmm. Um, so as part of it was going I wonder why that is but part of me is sort of recognized it was a pattern and wasn't too fast but from what you're saying it sounds like that that is actually completely normal and nothing to worry about yeah I mean so think try thinking about it this way if you imagine our life is like we've got a jar of marbles hmm. and we just have so we've got a set of marbles that are what's it like to be me here in the world um what's it like to do my job and all these different marbles that go into the jar and we have a certain amount of headspace left. And sometimes there's just a bit too many marbles in that jar, mm. which will push out other things. It will push out our sleep. It will push out our ability to take care of ourselves. Suddenly that, that space becomes a little bit squeezed. Um, we're women. It could be a hormonal issue going on because women and um, hormones affect sleep quite considerably. Mm. um so but I really like to think of it as that jar of marbles and sometimes we have to think oh gosh I'm not sleeping well okay what do I need what what do I need to put down here mm. what can I take out of this jar to just give myself a little bit of breathing space what can I say no to for example yeah, yeah. Oh, that's lovely thank you so Heather, you've shared with us, you've got your a very exciting book launch happening tomorrow. Um, what, what other plan, you're lurking through bookshops coming up. <laughs> what other plans do you have? There's not, there's not an awful lot of year left now. We're halfway through alarmingly. But what are your plans for the rest of, rest of this year? Um, I am looking forward to some time off. <laughs> I, think, um, I think that's, that's the, the, the key for me at the moment. Um, it's There's a few things sort of, vaguely planned in um my son's going off to uni and um things like that so at the moment it's all very loose but I think my primary primary interest is where can I take some time off <laughs> because I have in the past year I have have taken very little time off um and I'm very um pro making sure we take time off mm. because we all need space to take some marbles out of that jar yeah absolutely absolutely well, I want to thank you heather where can people go to find out a bit more about you throw some links at me um i have a website heatherdarwallsmith.com yeah. um where there's some information about me and what i do for, as, for, as a psychotherapist and with sleep and corporate stress awareness training okay. um so yeah there's there's stuff on that site awesome stuff and i'll put the link and any other links that i get for um, from Heather in the comments as always so you can always click directly um, so th Heather thank you so much it's been absolutely fascinating I've really enjoyed it thank you before we finish off um, I do like to sort of end the, the the chats with something that people can implement or some sort of piece of advice that the, the interviewee shares uh, do you have something you can share with us now I'm going to give you my five top tips to improve improved sleep um so I think the first one is lots of people will say to me it's bedtime and I can't switch my mind off mm. um no one can switch their mind off 
so that's that's important um my my psychotherapy training is underpinned by um buddhist philosophy and having spoken with many many long-term meditators they too don't switch their mind off mm. but they don't engage with what is going on in their mind so it's about recognizing these thoughts are spinning and seeing if we can step away to observe them and not be in them which is a it's a there are some mindfulness practices to do that so one of the things i think is is useful a second point is often it's all about worrying and ruminating and it's all spinning around so i recommend people to schedule a worry window into your day preferably not before bed um so you take a notebook hardback notebook and you sit and you put an alarm on and you write down all the worries you have for 10 minutes and then you slam the book shut mm. and you do it at the same time every day now what that does is create a somewhere to put them all so when the brain is going and you're able to go yeah hold on a minute just remember we've written that down mm. don't have to think about it anymore it's there um but it also gives you a visual visual evidence base of looking at the stuff that's been building up that's worried about and as time goes through you flick back through and think gosh i did all that worrying about that mm. so it's a really useful um practice um and for some people that that alone has been life-changing with regards to their sleep. Um, again, another mindfulness practice. So when you're laying in bed, um, if your mind is still racing, um, see if you can redirect your attention to walk yourself through a scene in your imagination or through the sensations in your body. So again, it's about stepping back rather than trying to fix it. It's like, so, so, so for example, you and I would be sitting and we'd be, I'd be saying to you, right, okay, now look over there at yourself, Claire. What would, if you were lying in bed, if you were to sit and watch yourself, what would you do to support yourself? Mm -hmm. Take yourself out of being so attached. So that's about changing your attention, changing how you are with it. The fourth point is make sure you're sleepy when you go to bed. <laughs> if you're someone who has problems with sleep, um, you really need to be sleepy to go to bed because trying to go to sleep is really difficult because then you're sort of like tick 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 what time is it I, I need to be able to sleep it's going to be six hours it's going to be seven hours five hours don't watch the clock please mm. um and then lastly get up at the same time every single day and get lots of light and movement so that may just be um you're in the kitchen you've got your favorite track on and you're boogieing to um, the kettle boiling and making coffee and all the lights are on and you or you can sit outside on the back step or with the window wide open and get lots of light mm. um but that particular that last point getting up at the same time moving and light is my absolute hard and fast rule when people come in and see me at the clinic because oh. it's that line in the sand that sets up the body clock for yeah. the rest of the day and helps you to go to sleep that night yeah, yeah. awesome stuff and just before we finish that actually raises a little little question in my head um as a as a someone who has in the past been guilty of hitting the snooze <laughs> and, and i've actually both myself and my mother half noticed that when we do do that our day reflects the fact that we've been snoozing in the morning and everything is out of kilter yeah um is is the snooze button you some is something you like don't touch the snooze button yeah, yeah. <laughs> no snooze button because 
what you're doing the body's going oh I can just drowse away oh I can just do this oh I can do that well actually it's like no you need to draw the line and say no that's it out yeah it really isn't helpful because you you tend it's like that sort of drifting the brain state trying to drop all the time you just end up feeling gross yeah oh that's fantastic oh Heather thank you so much that's absolutely fascinating I really really appreciate you I appreciate your time coming out and talking to me about it I know you're a busy lady so thank you very very much it's been good fun see you again soon take care Bye. bye thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode if you loved what you heard be sure to share it with me in a review so i can keep the awesome stuff coming your way and if you aren't already following me on social media come and soak up the extra inspiration by following me on facebook.com forward slash claire turner eft or visiting my website at clairetourneft.com. And just so you're aware, I'm very greedy. Claire has everything in it, C-L-A-I-R-E. I appreciate you so much, and I cannot wait to connect with you again in the next episode. In the meantime, be awesome.